Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today's active missing persons case comes to us from the small town of Leeds, Maine. At least, that's where the story begins. Our search area for this case is very broad. For those of you not familiar with the area, Leeds is located in the southern part of Maine. If you draw a line due north from Lewiston and a line due west from Augusta, the lines would intersect in Leeds. For further reference, Leeds is located about 60 miles north of Portland, Maine. On May 12th of this year, 33-year-old Alex Jackson was living with his parents in Wyndham, Maine, just north of Portland. Alex was between jobs at the time, and on that spring day, he hooked up a large gooseneck flatbed trailer onto the back of his one-ton Dooley Dodge pickup truck to head up to Leeds to meet with his friend Joe. Alex was joined on this trip with his dog Hazel. He spent the afternoon with Joe at his farm, and they were working trying to fix some lights on the trailer. And once the lights were fixed, Alex tells Joe that he's headed to Vermont. But that was news to Alex's girlfriend and his entire family. His girlfriend was waiting for him to return to their property in the town of Hiram, Maine, to help with some chores. But after Alex leaves Joe's house, he sends his girlfriend a text message that simply says, Going to Vermont. After that, he vanishes without a trace. It's been 11 weeks at this point, and Alex's family and friends are baffled and heartbroken. I'm joined today by Alex's sister, Kayla. Kayla has spent two and a half months so far searching for her brother. And she, to me, in this interview, seems like the perfect example of the expression, no tears left to cry. She's emotionally exhausted. I've watched other interviews with Kayla where she could barely get words out between sobs. But today she's here for one reason and one reason only, to ask for your help in finding Alex. After this interview, I'm going to break down the locations that you're going to hear discussed, and I'll share my thoughts on Alex's disappearance. But first, here's Kayla. Kayla, can you start out by just telling us about Alex? I, all, all I know is that he's 33 years old. He does some driving, delivering, sounds like farm equipment and stuff for farmers around the area. Um, but, but tell us about Alex. Well, first of all, he's the type of guy that would give his shirt off his back to anybody that needed help. Um, there was a farmer that had a, um, unfortunately had an electrical issue at his property. 
and all of his a couple of his barns caught on fire and Alex was pretty much the first one to go over there and lend him a hand and um, with a bunch of other farmers as well after the fire and everything and Alex also is he's, he's very funny he likes to be he's very full of energy well I always told him that he could be a comedian if he wanted to like Larry the Cable Guy hmm. um, he just he always was a jokester loved to make people laugh but he was also one thing about my brother is that he was very caring and you could I could talk to him about anything that was going on in my life and he would sit there and he would listen to me so he just he was very caring very honest just just very just very good just just an overall great person. So what were his, I know he had, when he went missing um, back in May, he had a girlfriend. Like, what was that? Were they living together? Like, what was his home life like? So my brother was in between jobs at the point right now. So he didn't really have any jobs right now, but he was, we were, he was in between jobs. So he was like looking for jobs and trying, you know, applying for jobs and stuff. So he lived at home with my parents. And I still live at home, too. I'm saving up for a house. He was pretty much saving up for an apartment or a house or whatever. And um, so he, we, had a pro- we have a property in Hiram. And my dad had bought it for him. And uh, so him and his girlfriend were having some animals up there and stuff. And, um, you know, they had, I had met her. They had been dating for almost, it's been almost, they've been dating almost for two years. And, um he, uh, we met her after like a year because my brother was very, when it came to relationships, he was private, you know, he didn't really want too many people to know, which I can understand. I'm the same way when I've been in relationships too. So him and Megan, so I had met her at Thanksgiving a year later, which was fine. And so she's, I've known Megan, you know, for a whole year pretty much now. She lives in Sanford. He lives here in Wyndham with my parents. And then the, eventually they were going to, you know, get some money to get a trailer on that property in Hiram. But, um, you know, right now they just, they didn't have a, so they didn't, they never lived together, but she would sleep over here sometimes. Okay. And then were they having, there was, and, and what I'm, what I'm trying to figure out here is, is there any, do you guys see any possibility that Alex was running away from anything? Like, were there any problems with their relationships or anything like that? Everything was fine. I I don't I talk to her every day on a daily basis. She's pretty much like one of my best friends now and she's let me go through all their text messages and everything. And I've read everything and they've never had any you know, they would have fights if he would get stressed out about money or whatever, but um but it wasn't like a big, big, huge blowout fight and they'd make up gr- greatly after. So he never he wasn't running away from her. I know that. Was there anything else in his life that he could have been running away from? He doesn't drink. He doesn't do drugs. I don't know. I feel like my brother in some ways maybe, and he was stressed out about something that I don't know about and that he needed a break. I mean, that's what I, at the beginning of this, that's what I felt like. I felt like Alex went to a friend's house and needed a break. But now that it's been, you know, nine weeks we're going on, I don't feel that way anymore. Okay, so let's get into the details of of the day that he went missing. So he had mm-hmm. you you guys were living in Windham, and he had gone to Leeds to see a friend, right? Yeah, yeah. He went to go see his friend Joe, and um, and Joe lives with his family too. They have a farm, 
in Leeds. And, um, and Joe, Alex had come there. Apparently Alex's story was that he was, they were getting, bringing a, a tractor to scout Keegan or something like that. And Alex had his flatbed trailer, his truck with him, and he had Hazel, his dog. And um, he went to Leeds. And then from talking to Joe and everything, that they never went to Scout Keegan. What they did was they were working Alex's uh, trailer. The lights weren't working on it very well. So Joe and um, was working on the trailer, helping him on the trailer um, try to get the lights to work. He was, like, welding something on it. And then um, they went out and got a bite to eat at one of the food places. Um, he had taken Joe out to eat. And then they came back. But then Joe said that he was, you know, he was pacing back and forth in the driveway while Joe was working on the trailer. And he was talking to somebody. And he seemed like he was stressed out. And then uh, he left with Hazel. And they went off. They went on their, you know, journey and everything. And then, you know, nobody would ever heard from him since. And that was, you know, and Joe and his family have been really compliant with everything. They've they've been really great with telling every, the truth. They're not lying. Like, I've known Joe since I was in high school. And he feels awful about this, just like I do. Like, everybody feels like he feels like he's lost a brother like I've lost a brother. You know, so that was kind of the story about how this is. And then we end up finding uh, about... Three days later, on a Monday, my mother gets a call from a woman in North Yarmouth. She uh, she calls. She says, I think I have your dog. Because I had made a post on, what was it, Sunday? I had made a post about Alex that my brother was missing. And I basically wrote, now, I know that, you know, this is Facebook. And, you know, but I said, if your brother was missing, what would you do? And, um, and so I just was asking for help for the public people to see if they could help me spot him down. And, you know, cops were already involved in this. Police was already involved. Um, and the, so this lady had gotten a hold of, saw my post from another lady that messaged it because she put put the dog on North Yarmouth Community Page Facebook and saying, if anybody's missing a dog. And so then she gets a hold of my mother and she said, I think I have your dog. And she described Hazel and everything, told her she was a girl. So we came down there and after we did chores up in Hiram, and it was Hazel. They had her, you know, tied up, but they were taking really good care of her. The people were really good, but they just said she came through the woods. That they had no, and they had no recollection. She had a chicken in her mouth from one of the neighbor's chickens, but that they had no recollection of where she came from or anything. Was it normal for your brother to travel with Hazel? Yes, it was. He'd take Hazel everywhere with him hazel was his best buddy so it was very odd that hazel came back without him like that she would never leave him she was that loyal of a dog like she would she would you know sometimes she's a puppy so puppies you know they escape they don't listen sometimes but hazel wouldn't leave she wouldn't go far and that that was one of the actually one of the first things when uh, several of my listeners had submitted this case to me when i was looking at it, i was just thinking you know the a lot of people that I know, especially that that work on farms and things that have that dog that they always travel with. And that's like they're, they would never abandon their dog. That was the first thing that got my attention was if he's one of these guys that always has his dog with him, he wouldn't just let his dog loose. No. So and also um, we should point out. So where he left Joe's house in Leeds, where the dog is found in North Yarmouth, that's is that that's about 40 miles away, right? It's about 40 miles south. 
Yes, that is. Okay. Did did Joe a couple things before we move on with with kind of the story of how things go, break down? So so Joe says that Alex was talking on the phone with someone and was kind of pacing and and seemed you know kind of upset about who he was talking to. Were you guys able to like, get his phone records and figure out who he was talking to? Yeah, we figured out like he was talking to he was talking to Megan, and I guess I found out that Megan was the last person that he talked to on the phone before his phone went dead. And then also he was talking to this guy, Walter Young, who was the guy that he helped out with the fire and everything. And we've been in touch with Walter for, you know, a while now. And, um, you know, Walter had messaged him and had said to him, you know, buddy, if, you, if you're if you stuck, I can come help you. I can come get you. And Alex had wrote to him saying, no, no, Walter, I'm fine. I can, I can, I'll make it down to you. I promise. So is is that where he was where he was headed was to Walter's place? Well, Walter lives in Gorham. Um, at supposedly he was headed to he was supposed to be headed to Hiram to come help with chores with Megan up in Hiram. Okay. And he just and then he said then he wrote her a message saying going to Vermont, and then Megan of course messaged him back and said, "What do you mean going to Vermont? Like, like where where are you know?" Like, he just wrote, but it was weird. The message was, it didn't seem like it came from him, like somebody else wrote it or whatever. I don't, that's that's a suspicious thing. But he just wrote, going to Vermont. And that was the last message that we, everybody, that Megan had heard from him. So he's, he, he's at, is that Joe's, and he and Joe were planning on going, where did you say they were, pl- he was planning on going with the trailer to get a tractor? He was saying he was going to go to Scout Hegan to go get a tractor or something with Joe. And then Joe had said to me that that was, that was that was a lot. That was a lie. That wasn't a um, that wasn't the truth. That they he was just going to help him with his trailer, and then he told Joe that he was going to Vermont too as well. So he had told at least two people, but he never told my dad. You know, my dad was texting him constantly that day. He never told my dad that he was going to Vermont. But he had said to Joe he was going to go to Vermont, and then he just texted Megan and just said going to Vermont and then nothing radio silence after that yeah radio silence after that what does innovation sound like it sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer client or patient it sounds like having the right information right when you need it It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Three days later... Hazel the dog is found 40 miles south down in Yarmouth. And I read something about that the, the collar on the dog was different. Yes, the collar was different. It was a Carhartt collar. I went to Tractor Supplies, a couple of them, to find out to see if, um, you know, if anybody had, uh, if anybody had, like, if anybody had seen my brother come in to purchase a collar or whatever, and they said, no, I even looked in his history for his account membership history or whatever that they have, and they said he didn't purchase a collar on that, so it was very strange to me. The collar um, was just a regular tan Carhartt collar, 
And Hazel had a bell on her when she left. She had a collar that was pink and blue, and it had a bell on it and had tags on it that said Hazel with uh, Megan's phone number and my brother's phone number on it. And so that collar was gone, and it was replaced with just a Carhartt collar with no tags. Yep. Okay. All right, so as I'm piecing this together, so then he goes, the dog's the dog's 40 miles south. He just sends this text that says, d- did Megan say, like, in that conversation, when when she ta- when she was talking to him, where that was, was he upset? Did he say he was going somewhere besides home or anything during the phone conversation? Um, They were just talking about a lot of things. Um, they were talking about maybe possibly getting a trailer or whatever up in Hiram to live there at some point. And um, I think my brother at first had felt maybe a little pressured for Megan, but then Megan, you know, apologized and she said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, no, we, we don't have to talk about this right now. Like, that, and you know, and he said on a text, message, it's okay, it's okay. You know, I know that you want to live up there and, you know, we will and stuff like that. So, um, so that was their that was their conversation. But Megan, you know, I've read everything with the phone conversation. Megan said she goes, they basically just talked about her him getting back to do chores. Okay, and then from the so when he leaves Joe's house because he, he's driving a big Dodge one ton dually truck. Yep. And and he was pulling that big um look like from the pictures I saw online like a big gooseneck flatbed trailer behind the truck. Yep. So he's so he's not inconspicuous by any means. Yeah, and, and it's a white uh, it's a white uh, Dodge pickup truck. So he leaves yeah. he leaves there. Once he left Joe's, how much phone activity was there before he finally sent the text that said, "I'm going to Vermont." The last ping on his phone was in Scout Hegan. Or no, it wasn't Scout Hegan. It was sorry, um, Mammoth Mammoth Maine was the last time they pinged his phone before it went dead. And Mammoth is only like, I don't know, like 10 minutes away from Leeds. Yeah, and that was on, that last ping was on June 5th, right? No, that last ping was on the day that he disappeared, like the 12th. Oh, okay. I had seen a, must have been a false news report that I had read. Um, Yeah. It's always difficult sorting through all of the misinformation and real information. Um, Yeah. So was so on that day. So the twelfth, he's gone. The last ping is in Monmouth, uh, Monmouth, which is just a few minutes away. And was was there any was was he like texting anybody between th- those times, or it was just you know he leaves, he texts her, I'm going to Vermont, and then that's it. I think that was it. I'm not like I know the police have all of his phone records, but that's all I can remember. The only people that he talked to really that day was. He talked to Joe, Megan, and then Walter Young, you know, and then he's, he has, but he, and then other people that, you know, we've, he's taught, he talks to on a daily basis, like his friend Edwin, they talk to him and stuff like that. I don't, I think he talks to his friend Edwin like every day and Edwin, you know, he had talked to the police and everything. And I talked to Edwin on a daily basis as well. So, and Edwin's just sick with this because him and Edwin have been friends since school, since high school. So, as have, have you or the police? Have anybody pulled any like financial records to see if he's like using a debit card or anything like that? Yeah, we have. He's he's not using um he's not using any. He doesn't have a credit card, and he had cash on him and stuff. He had like one hundred fifty dollars in cash on him, and um he had a check on him, but the check was voided and everything. But no, he had no debit card and no credit card. So he had the only resources he had was one hundred and fifty dollars in cash. Yeah. 
it has been at this point nine weeks he's been gone. Yeah. So since then, so just just to kind of recap the, so he's in Leeds, and I'm I'm gonna try to walk through a map for people that are just, that are just listening. So he's in Leeds, Maine, uh, on the twelfth at Joe's house. So he, when he leaves Leeds, his cell phone pings in Monmouth, which is about ten minutes. It's, it's southeast of Leeds, and then three days later, the dogs found about thirty five miles further south from Monmouth and North Yarmouth. And then, and then that's, that's all we have. And I guess what, what I'm trying to piece together, was he going in the right direction if he was headed to the property, uh, to, to go do I chores? I mean, he used to take, he used to take back roads. So me and Megan had taken all the way back roads from Monmouth. We went to Leeds, then we went from Monmouth all the way to North Yarmouth, the back road. Okay. And there were a couple, there's one spot where we think you could go off road, but you'd be able to see it. You would see that truck go off in that area or a trailer go off in that area. It's very open. Right. That's what's so strange about this is it's, I mean, it, it, again, it's a very noticeable truck. It's a big, of course, I mean, I know this is kind of farm country out there, but a big white one ton dually truck pulling a giant trailer and neither the truck or the trailer have shown up anywhere. Yeah. So what what search efforts have have been done over these nine weeks to try to locate him? The day that the dog was found, the police searched the whole area. I think they checked even the woman's house that Hazel was brought was found at. So they searched the whole area with drones and with um with do- you know dogs and just with everything. And wardens have searched leads up and down through the woods everywhere. Um, right now they're looking into gray and they're looking into North Yarmouth. And I, I said to my mother, I said, I don't think that he's in Vermont. I said, because somebody would have messaged me by now. I know a lot of people in Vermont that are friends of his. And they told me they would let me know if they saw him in Vermont. Because like one of them even said that my brother sticks out like a sore thumb pretty much, um, uh, going to Vermont. So, I mean, he's not in Vermont. I know that he has to be somewhere. My father grew up in New Gloucester, in Gray, New Gloucester. So we know Gray like the back of our hand pretty much as kids. We grew up there. Our grandparents lived there. We would go and visit our grandmother all the time. You know, that's an area that we're very familiar with. So I, you know, and our grandparents now are passed away. And we still have a little bit of family that lives in Gray right now, but you know, nobody that he would stay with and everybody that he's talked to, all of our family members, you know, they would tell us if he was, if they were, he was at their house. Have you guys been getting much, much media attention around the area to get the, it seems like the best thing to be looking for would, would almost be the, the truck and or the trailer. Has that information been put out other than, I, I know you've done a lot of work on the Facebook page and stuff, but like through. Yeah, well, we've had flyers. I have flyers out everywhere. I have flyers at my work because I do hair for a living and I have it on every, I work at a JC Penney's and I work and I do there. It's on every door of the truck and the trailer, what it looks like, what's the license plate number, how old is my brother? What does my brother look like? One thing that I know that it seems like we can do to help is for anybody in the 
probably in the main Vermont area that's listening to this to, you know, go on our website, get the photos that we'll have posted and get them shared everywhere to try to help locate the truck and or the trailer and or Alex himself. What help can other than that, what help can anyone listen to this do? Well, one thing is one thing I and I know not everybody believes in God, but one thing people can do is they can pray for me and my family every night. That's one thing that God has always been in our hearts. Growing up as kids, my brother has a cross tattoo on his arm that um, that I've told notified police about and everything. And it also has my grandparents' initials on it. So um, we're very much into, you know, God, so people can pray. But also just, I'm asking people that, you know, if they're, you're going on a hike somewhere, or you're going on a walk, and you're in Gray or North Yarmouth area, or you live in that area, just look around or farmers out there that have property out there or even people that are not farmers and have a bunch of property out there. Just, just look around at your property, go around with your four wheeler and just, just look around. You know, I'm, I'm just asking people like that, you know, that, you know, you haven't been out on your property in a while. Just, just, just look around, you know, just, just for, you know, even if you've already looked around on your property, you know, just look around every so often. Look around, look in the woods or woodsy areas or something, you know, would ha- any of that would help, you know? Yeah. And I noticed when I looked at the map that there are a lot of, there's a lot of water in your area. Lots, lots of, looks like big and small lakes. Has, has there been any efforts to search around any of the water sources? Yeah. So Bill, the adventure guy, has been looking in the water. He went, um, the police went through the Androscoggin River, and um, they and Bill, the adventure guy, he was in the water yesterday. He looked through some lakes and rivers and stuff like that yesterday, and, and we talked to him about everything. But like he just, he basically just wanted me to tell people, just you know, and I'm telling, asking people too, just just to pray and to also, if you're going out on a walk, you know, I know we've had a lot of rain here in Maine. But um, if you're going on a walk or you're going on a hike, just look around. Just, you know, if you see something unusual or something and something that doesn't seem right, you know, report it to the police. Report it to your local police station or report it to the Wyndham police. Anything. Is that who's handling the investigation still is the Wyndham police? Yes, the Wyndham police. We have a detective that is handling our case. Okay. And I'll I'll make sure I, I post that phone number for anybody to call and. Uh, and also to have, you know, if, if you live in the area and you're hearing this or seeing any of the social posts, it seems like a good, a good thing that people might be able to do is to, if you know any farmers or anyone with large pieces of land in the area, to go talk to them, maybe print out and, sh- and show them the flyer and things of who you're looking for. Because I, from reading through some other cases, I know that's one issue they, they have is, you know, a lot of people that aren't working on a farm all day, what they're not doing is looking at social media or listening to any of the media sources or looking at any of them to know they should be looking for someone. No, exactly. And I just want, you know, I want people, I know people, some of them are getting frustrated that they haven't found them yet. Or, you know, they have conspiracy theories that, you know, my parents know exactly where he is and, you know, all that stuff. But I'm, I'm asking people, if, if you had a loved one that was missing or a brother or a son, or even a, a grandson or anybody that was missing, uh, what what would you do at this point? You know what I mean? That's why I'm asking I'm asking people for help. 
Well, we're going to try to provide as much help as we can for you. And if, um, and we'll, and we'll also keep updated if there's any, if, if anybody organizes, you know, a large area search or anything like that. I know we have a lot of listeners in the area that may be able to help and participate in that, but we're going to, we're going to provide as much help as we can to try to get more eyes and ears on this to try to find your brother. All righty. Well, I thank you and I appreciate that. This case is perplexing for so many reasons. To begin with, it doesn't appear that Alex has any reason to be running away, at least not that we know of. There are definitely some stress factors. He doesn't have a job and he wants to move on to the property in Hiram, but it's hard for me to see how disappearing solves that problem. He's not stuck in an abusive marriage. He has a support network, a place to live, food on the table. Running away with nothing but $150 cash is only going to create more hardship for him, at least from my perspective, and I definitely have not walked a mile in his shoes, so I don't pretend to know what was going on in Alex's mind. But just looking at things logically, if the stressor is money and a place to live, then leaving with that little cash just doesn't seem to solve that problem. It just does not make sense to me that Alex is out hiding somewhere which is a reality that could be terrifying. If he didn't disappear on purpose, then where is he? To recap, Alex had no job and very little money. As you heard, according to Kayla, he had about $150 in cash on him. After disappearing on May 12th, he never uses a debit card, ATM card, credit card, nothing. So he has just about enough money, but not quite enough, for one tank of fuel for his truck. There's also been zero phone activity on his cell. The way I see it, one of the biggest clues that Alex did not intentionally disappear is his dog, Hazel. I don't know if any of you know this guy, but I do. Hell, I've been this guy back a lifetime ago when I used to work construction. The kind of person who takes their dog with them everywhere they go. People who do that do not ditch their dogs. It just doesn't happen. To me, that's a big indicator that Alex didn't run away. If he wanted to disappear, all he had to do was hop in his truck and drive away. Simple as that. That's not what Alex did. He loaded a huge trailer onto the back of his truck, and then he takes his dog with him. Even if something triggered him during that phone call when he was at Joe's, why take the trailer with when he leaves? Even if he couldn't just leave the trailer at Joe's house, all he needed to do was to get out of sight of the house and drop the trailer. But the trailer is nowhere to be found. This huge trailer is nowhere to be found. No one knows where it is. I personally do not believe at all that Alex has disappeared on purpose. Even the few leads that we have don't make sense as far as geography is concerned. So the last person to report seeing Alex was Joe in Leeds. He says that Alex told him that he was going to Vermont, and then Alex drives away. But Vermont is due west of Leeds, with New Hampshire lying in between the two. But the next and last contact that anyone has with Alex is the text to his girlfriend saying he's going to Vermont. But that text came from Monmouth, which is east of Leeds, the wrong direction. And then we have Hazel. She's found in North Yarmouth, which is 40 miles south of Leeds. Again, the wrong direction if Alex was headed to upstate Vermont. 
but North Yarmouth would be on the way if Alex was headed back towards Wyndham where he lived with his parents. I'll put a map up on our website so it's easier to understand these locations and routes, but I'm telling you something doesn't add up here. The fact that Hazel has a different collar, what's that about? And she's dropped off and left not at Alex's house, but not far from it, just a few miles away. Then there's also what Kayla categorized as a lie about the intention of the trip being to head up to Skowhegan to pick up a tractor. Skowhegan is located about 40 miles north of Joe's house in Leeds for reference. But what I'm wondering is, if that was a lie, why? What's the utility in telling that lie? It's not like Alex said he's going to pick up a tractor and instead he went to a casino or he went off to see some girl he was having an affair with. He said he was going to pick up a tractor, but instead spent the day with his friend Joe working on the trailer. Keyword, working. It just doesn't make sense. But with all that said, I do have some ideas about what I think might have happened here. For now, I'm just going to relay those thoughts with the police officers in charge of this case in Maine. I think it'd be irresponsible for me to voice them publicly at this point, so I'll leave it at that. But I'll touch on them later after I discuss things with the police and with the family. So moving on for now, today, Alex should not be difficult to find. He really shouldn't be. Alex is a 33-year-old white male with brown hair and brown eyes. He's 5'7", 150 pounds, and was last seen in Leeds, Maine, wearing blue jeans, a hunter shirt, and a ball cap. Alex was driving a 2008 white Dodge Ram 3500 Dually pickup truck, and it was towing a very large gooseneck flatbed trailer. In my estimate, the trailer looks to be about 40 feet long, big enough to haul 10 round bales of hay all in one layer. For updates on the case, join the Facebook group Searching the Number 4 Alex Jackson from Maine. I'll put a link to that group in the show description. If you have seen Alex or his truck or trailer or have any information about the case, please contact the Wyndham, Maine Police Department at 207-893-2810. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production. All music for the show is created and composed by Shane Yoder at PutThemInASong.com. The font you see on all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com design, created, manages, and maintains our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our volunteer transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Courtney Wimberly, Erica Cantor, Melissa Cardenas, Kay Yomnick, and Danielle Rohr. And as always, thank you to all of you for your engagement and your support. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that in a number of ways. The number one way for you to support our work is to become a patron at patreon.com slash truthandjustice. If you join our Patreon, not only will you be financially supporting our work, but you'll also get something for your pledge. For just $5 per month, you'll get all episodes ad-free and also a video version of the Friday follow-ups that include an hour-long pre-show chat exclusive to our patrons. Other levels will get you a Truth and Justice Army t-shirt, Truth and Justice hats, and even the opportunity to co-host a Friday follow-up episode. 
Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice to sign up. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. It doesn't cost you a penny, and it goes a long way towards making the show more visible. If you have a case that you'd like us to consider covering, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram, or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at truthjusticepod, and I can be found on social media at Bob Ruff Truth. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice.